0: Hey, this is Scotty Vermeion from Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia. I'm the interim pastor and we'd like to invite you to worship with us at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. We also have Bible study at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Check us out on Facebook at Daniel Boone Baptist Church where you will find weekly sermons and daily interaction to keep you in touch with the Lord and to keep you in touch with His kingdom. I've never done this before. Y'all ever been in a spot, a pivotal moment where it was either turn around and go back or take a step of faith? Y'all ever been there? And, and I'll be honest with you, like this place right here is, like when I'm finished on Sundays, I'm sweating. I feel like i wrestled a bear. When I get home, I'm completely, I'm blank. Like my mind has is hit reset, Uh, and I don't take that lightly. And the reason I tell you that is, when you get to this spot, like I don't want to misspeak, and I feel the Holy Spirit, and that's a conviction that I believe teachers, preachers, people who speak the Word of God have on their heart. And I don't want to misspeak. I was watching a sermon last week, and I I go to YouTube and I look at all kinds of sermons from all kinds of different backgrounds, from all kinds of churches and all kinds of people. And sometimes one will hit me when, when the preacher's speaking or someone's speaking and and the spirit within me gets a little sick because it's not accurate what they're speaking you know and i hit one of those this week and it was just kind of like convicting to me that that i don't get too personal up here i don't want i don't want you to hear too much personality but it's it's how god has created us so i can't help but give you some of my personality you see and I just desire that everything spoken is true. Because here's the deal, the enemy will tell you that this is just something you do on a side. Go to church on Sundays, hopefully get a good luck charm, and hope that my week goes better. Let me tell you something, God don't bless the amount of word that you know, he blesses the amount of word that you do. And if we don't take this word and apply it to our lives and let it transform us, I'm not sure that we're not gonna be anything but conflicted. You know, in intention all the time. Let me read this to you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells the churches in, in verse 7. He says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Most of us, and I'm not going to speak for you, but most of us spend a lifetime walking by sight. True? We do. We spend a lifetime walking by sight. We want to know what is out ahead of us before we go. God's called us to a different walk. And it's kind of scary. It makes you sweat. And when you're done, you feel like you've wrestled a bear. But you're blessed. And there's stuff out there that God's called us to that we can't get by sight. It takes faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. I tried to go to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego this week. And it is a fascinating story. How God put them right in the middle of enemy territory. And through character and good and good works and just good nature. He, he continued to increase them. And King Nebuchadnezzar put them put right there in his court. You know? uh, and then when the crowd, those that were around. And be careful. not Be careful about. Let me warn you about the crowd. Those that are around who are watching you. walk are walking Christ. Be careful when they start speaking. And when they start having accusations to throw your way. Stand strong. The Bible says when you've done all you can do to stand, stand there for and so anyway, the crowd starts speaking and King Nebuchadnezzar puts this big uh, image, golden image for them to worship. And they just choose not to worship. And when he gets his attention drawn to it, he talks to them kind of like a father. He's like, now listen, boys. When the music plays, you guys need to bow because I issued this decree. And if my people see that you don't bow to the same you know, music that they do, there are going to be issues. And when they said, King, either my Lord delivers us or not, we're not going to bow. And you know the rest of the story. He gets angry with them because the music plays. They don't bow. He throws them into the fire. They heated the fire up, by the way, seven times. hotter than usual. And the guys that threw them in, it burnt them up as they got close. But King Nebuchadnezzar looked and said, well, they are not three that we threw into the furnace? And you know the rest of the story. It looks like there's a fourth man, and it looks like the Son of God. And they're walking around, listening to me, fellowshipping inside the fire. I had a friend this week at school. It's a man that I have, I've grown to love more and more, but we were looking across the way and the American Legion, y'all you know who I'm talking about, they they, they do ceremonial burials uh, and, and we see them more and more. Like we'll see them sometimes two or three times a week because these patriots, veterans, these, these people who have fought for our country, are passing away they've gotten older and and he made this statement he said you don't see that kind of faith and determination and that kind of character anymore he said that we just don't have it anymore and he said why is that And my answer it's like the Lord gave it to me I don't know if this is right or not but here's what I said we do have it it's just not developed what developed that kind of character the war and when, and when those men and women were called into active duty, they developed something in war that couldn't be developed in comfort. I live in comfort. I've never been called in the military. I've never put up many fights. i fought maybe one time physically. I live in comfort. It's the war, it's the challenge that creates that kind of man or woman. And when I think about walking in faith, now, here's the deal. Here's where we're going today. Now, I don't know how we're going to get there. I'm about to just close my notebook. But some of us, we get into battles and struggles, and I'm talking about myself, and we wonder why I me. Mean. Lord, when I got saved, I thought this was going to be better, easier, and it is better, okay? I thought it was going to be easier. See, that's a word I don't want to misspeak. It is better. But I thought it was going to be easier. I thought you were going to just show me the way. I thought I'd never stumble. I thought I'd never fall again. But it seems to me like it's a little bit more difficult. we we'll are going to talk about that a little bit today. Faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. I could not get away from Joshua chapter 3. And that's where we're going to be. Go to Joshua chapter 3 verse 1. If there is a reason we don't have a bulletin, There's a a reason that I'm about to throw my notes away. God has has told me for two or three days, listen to His Spirit. So that's what I'm attempting to do today. So pray for me as I I attempt to give you this word, okay? Joshua chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, and we're going to read five verses. If if you're able to stand as we read, please do so. I'm honored to read with God's Word. Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and launched there before they crossed over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet, shall, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. That's about 1,000 yards. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Lord, I've never done this before. I've never walked by faith before. I mean, really walked by faith before. Verse 5 says, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Heavenly Father, Lord, your word is rich and true. And God, there are life principles within these five verses that I know you want me to give your people today. And so, I pray that you, you would speak to each person exactly where they need to be spoken to. God, we come to hear word from you. And so, dismiss me and you speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking at verse 1, says Joshua rose early in the morning. I think it's important. And, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to be like a father or them, but I think throughout the scripture we find that instead of waiting for life to hit you in the mouth, get up early and face it. I had a situation this week, and it wasn't for me. It was my friend. And uh, they had to, uh, I, I gave them a warning. Like, like one of our supervisors will have to have a conversation with them. I'm just giving you one Why don't you go ahead and call our supervisor and just get it over with And that's what happened and there was peace in the whole deal and it's perfect. It worked out perfect. I'm one of those people at this point in time, I think you are too, that's why you're here today. I believe that before the enemy gets a chance to hit you in the mouth, go ahead and hit him in the mouth. That's how we play basketball for 20 some years. Before they get a chance to hit you in the mouth, go hit them in the mouth. Make them start feeling it early. And I think that the, the Bible says here, Joshua rose early in the morning. I think there's something about getting up early, getting in the Word of God, getting on your knees, and, and allowing God to address your day. I think there's something to that. It says they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. What is Jordan here? Jordan is that thing that they had to cross in order to get to the land that God was calling them to. Now, it wasn't like an insurmountable. River. It was a small river. I would have I would I've looked at pictures, I would have compared it to like the big Moxon Creek in flood stage when it gets up. That's what it was like, maybe a little bit bigger. I don't think it was as big as the clinch or the holston, but it could have been. It could have been close, okay? And so they they were called to the Jordan. They came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel. I think this is important. I think this is important. They did it together. All of them. I could spend a lot of time right here talking about unity. It's important in a home that mom and dad, husband and wife, are together. You, you hear what I'm saying? It's important they're together. Not just together physically, but I'm talking about together in the way that they handle their children. The way that they handle conflict. That they're one. The Bible calls those two to be one. And it's important. Don't let the world lie to you and, and, and make you think that it's okay to live separate. No, you are one Okay? And not just a family, but any organization. I, again, I said last week, I've had teams upon teams upon teams. It only takes one poisonous piece to destroy the unity. If you can keep unity, you can go somewhere. They all came to this river. They were yoked together. This week on Thursday, I, the Lord gave me this word about yoking yourself with the right people. That is important. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. If you want to see the direction of your life, look at the five most close people to you and see where they're going because that's where you're going. Okay? yoke yourself to the right people. Yoke yourself to the right people. It says, So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying this, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. Now what was the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God? Here's what that... uh, Meant for them, it was the presence of God amongst the people. That's all the Ark of the Covenant is. It's the Ark of the Testimony. It just symbolizes that God is with us. Okay, it symbolizes God is with us. If we had a focal passage today or a focal verse, I probably would say it would be that verse right there, verse three. Just when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the priest and the Levites bearing it. Then you shall set out from your place where you currently are in one of the next four words and go what? After. Go after. Okay, so I posted yesterday on Facebook. Raise your hand if if that's being good for you. Do you guys enjoy the Facebook posts and things? Good, thanks. Uh, I posted that. Do I wait? You know, do I wait? on God? Because the Bible says to wait on the Lord, does it not? I think it says it somewhere in uh, several places, but it says it in Psalms, I know. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Some of us spend our whole life waiting on the Lord to not just rain down manna to pick it up, but to pick it up and feed us as well. Or, do I go? Do I wait or do I go? God, what are you saying to me right here? Do I wait or do I go? How to know when to go? I had all kinds of titles for the message, and I don't know what is the title. I don't even know if I have a title. I'll surprise you with it when we post it today. But how do I know when to go? You know, the children of Israel spent 40 years, remember? 40 years in the wilderness. They have learned that you cannot go without God. And here's how I know that. Go to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers 14. I'll give you time to get there. I want you to see it. Verse 42. Numbers 14, 42. Numbers 14, 42. Let me, set this, let me set this passage up for you. If you remember, they came to the, the wilderness from Egypt. We call it the wilderness. but they It was an 11-day journey. They went straight to the promised land. But by because of their unbelief, because they believed the 10. Y'all remember that? Uh, Moses sent out 12 spies. 10 of them come back and said, Giants are too big. No way we can defeat them. Caleb and Joshua said they're not too big. If God says it, then it's going to be. And if, if you remember, uh, a disease hit the, the ten a little bit later on. But Caleb and Joshua actually got to see the Promised Land. But anyway, long story short, when Moses went back to the people and said, "I can't," you know, well, God has told us that we're going to receive this, but because of your unbelief, we're not. Now you're not going to enter. Go to Numbers fourteen forty two. I'm gonna actually read forty one. They tried to go anyway. They decided after God corrected them. Okay, we'll go now. Some windows and some doors closed. Do y'all believe that? Some doors do close. It's a reality. We're gonna talk about Jehovah Rapha here in just a little bit. God who restores. It's gonna get exciting. But Moses said to them, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Where did I say they had to... What did did I say that Joshua said earlier that they needed to seek after or follow after? The Ark of the Covenant. Remember that? That's the presence of God. Moses tells them right here, This will not succeed. Do not go up lest you be defeated by your enemies for the Lord is not among you. Do you want to know when to go? It's an easy answer. And you have to learn to hear the voice of God. The voice of God don't always speak in audible terms or straight out of the word of God, although this is always true. But he can speak through your conscience. He can speak through your brother your sister. He can speak in a still, small voice. He really likes to talk that way. But you have to learn when to go. And you go when the presence of the Lord is. it goes before you. Like I, I've tried to open doors in the past. If I told y'all that the, the insurance deal about going on and Taking a day off and going and, and getting with my friend and, and, and looking at i I'm not, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but I went to, I think it was Abby down in Bristol, and did kind of an interview. This was about seven or eight years ago. Like, I wanted to get out coaching, teaching, and all that. I mean, I was just burnt out. Y'all ever been burnt out? Anybody ever been tired? Okay? That's normal. And the harder I tried, the more that door just seemed to be shut. And here's here's the lesson of that for me personally. I can just give you personal testimony. If God ain't in it and you're asking him to lead you, he will close the door. So sometimes a closed door is him speaking. It's it's not like it's a bad thing to see a door close. That's a good thing. You know, when God called me out of coaching, it was a closed door. But I was excited about that as well. And I don't want to go back. And then he opens other doors. So do you want to know where to go and when to go? You go when the presence of the Lord goes before you. Now you've got to spend some time with him to understand that. But they have learned that you cannot get there without God. You can't get there without God. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, then it says you shall go after Then you should go after Then you shall go after Verse 4. Back to Joshua 3. says, Yet yeah, there shall be a space between you and it. I read that over and over and over, and I was like, Why should there be a space between the presence of God and the people? And sometimes there's hidden messages in the Bible, you know what I mean? They're hidden, so we'll dig them out and find them. I don't think this one's hidden. Do you know how many people were getting across the Jordan? Over two million there were 600,000 fighting men plus their families, the women, the children, and the priests. So it says basically over 2 million. I believe that there was space here. It says, let me read it to you. Yet there shall be space between you and the ark, the presence of God, about 2,000 cubits by measure. That's 1,000 yards, 10 football fields. Do not come near it. Don't come near it. Now, I read that and, and read it, and, read, and I thought, well, why is that? And one commentator said, because... One of the reasons is because the people oftentimes will put pressure on those that are leading. If you ever made a bad decision because the people you were leading were forcing you, forcing your hand on something and it just wasn't time so you went ahead and made the decision and looking back hindsight 2020 it was the wrong decision. That was what one commentator told me. Make sure there's some space between you and it so the people can not influence the leaders. About 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. I also believe this. Another commentator said this. When you're talking about 2 million people, you're talking about a long line of people and their their stuff that they're taking with them. In order for everybody to see, there had to be some distance between the, the Ark of the Covenant and the people. I don't want to get deep about that, but honestly, sometimes, for me personally, I have to set back and see where the Lord is moving before I take that first step. Does that make sense to you? Because God moves in places. And I've been in churches my whole life. I've been in one church many, many years, but I've also been in church life. And you get so many opinions a lot of times in churches that you have to sit back in life and say, where is God leading and you know my buddy T.J. McAmis. Some of y'all think I haven't worked with me buddies because we're such enemies, right? But we're buddies. We're really close. He told me this one time, and it was a prophetic word. He said, "If if a church is divided on an issue, and there's there is some really uh, clear division, major division, then God's not in it right now." That's a pretty good word because God's a God of unity. Okay, does that make sense? Now, I'm not saying there won't always be a little bit of division. There will be. That's the way the church has been in my history, in my past. And if you read, you'll find it in here, too. Paul addresses it over and over and over again. But for the most part, Christ is a unifier. Okay. And so unification, seeing all the people, they didn't want to leave anybody behind. Let me say this to you. You don't have to see every step and every stone to take the first step. They couldn't tell exactly where the Ark of the Covenant was going. And there's been times in my life where I can't really tell you where the Lord has taken me. I just got out of one of those seasons. God called me out of coaching, and then he just threw this on me. Okay? And it's like, okay, I, I want to preach. I actually like this. This is this, this is fun. You know what I mean? I want to preach. And then it's like, where do I preach? How often do I preach? Where do I go? I couldn't see out there. Then yeah, I'll tell you, we weren't sure where to go. And look where I'm at. I'm right here with you guys. And this was the leading of the Lord. This had nothing to do with my desires or even your desires. It was God. And you just don't have to know everything about where you're going. Just seek after the Lord. If he's out there in front of you somewhere, just go after him. I knew I needed a college degree, but I thought I was going into insurance. I got an accounting degree. I don't have a teaching degree, by the way. But don't ask me to do your taxes, cause I can't do it. get mom done. But God, God knew I needed a degree, but it wasn't a degree I thought I was in. You know what I'm saying? He called me in another place, and He has the same for you. It takes this right here, verse four, when you start looking to stay back and allow and allow God to lead and just seek after His presence. It takes a couple things. We say living by faith and not by sight, and we talk about that all the time. And everybody shakes their head, and I do too. And we go home and we're like that. And that's the Christian. That's the church. We live by faith, not by sight. But it's a completely different thing when the rubber meets the road, and you actually have to do it, isn't it? It's a completely different thing. It takes patience. I also believe one of the reasons he told them to stay back was he was teaching them patience. How many days did they camp on this side of the river? Anyone know? Three. It's in verse 2, I believe. Three days. So God takes you to this thing you have to cross in order to get to that place that he's calling you to. And for three days, he tells you to stop. Now there's there's all kinds of different reasons I can say why they had to stop. One, so they can assemble. There's something about assembling together. There there just is. You can go out on your own if you want. It says that one violent enemy can be overtaken. Two, fighting the enemy, is a little stronger, but a three-fold cord is not easily broken. And can you imagine when the church gets together and when we get four, five, or six? I think about the three, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and go in the fire. Three is a big word in the Bible, or a big number. But they had a fourth one, the fourth man in the fire. Isn't that awesome? We're stronger together. I think they needed to assemble. I think they needed to do something that verse 5 tells, tells us to do that we, we almost never do. And we would do well to do that, to do that today. Let's read verse 5. It says that in verse 4, you never went this way before. Before I go to 5, has anybody ever dealt with something you've never dealt with before? Yeah. If you've raised kids the 13 through 18, yeah, I've never done this before. Not that own problems, they were not, they were wonderful. I'm not, I'm not throwing off on it, I'm just saying it was new. You know, it was new. And my wife and I had to do this, and we had to agree. Whether I agreed or not, we had to agree. And the same thing with her, you see what I mean? It's important that they see that we're together because that's the way God created that, you know, that that bond. Does that make sense to you? So we had to be together. But my question was, have you ever had to do something you've never done before? If you've ever dealt with addiction, of any kind, you understand what I'm talking about. Never, you, you, if you could go back and, and never start, you'd go back and never start. Find me somebody that's at the end of the road that says, I'm glad I started this. It, that's just one area. Another one is anger and hatred. I told you a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, that one of the reasons you don't and I don't experience peace is because we have anger in our, in our heart. Hatred in our heart. Unforgiveness in our heart. It's like drinking poison and wishing that he would die. I'm angry at him, so I'm going to drink the poison over and over and over again daily and wish he would die. There's no peace in that. Verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, this is huge, sanctify yourselves. What does that word sanctify mean to you? President? It simply means this, to set yourself apart for the work of God simple as that it doesn't mean everybody preaches or everybody sings up here like uh, david sophie did it doesn't mean that everybody teaches sunday school by the way larry's a wonderful sunday school teacher if you if you haven't been to any of your sunday school i got to sit up there today i hope i don't disturb you on that and listen it's just a wonderful lesson and presentation um, god don't call us all of those places. we're all different but we're all called to the to the work of god you know that and the Bible says in verse 5 that Joshua told them to sanctify themselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. See, Joshua had a faith. And when you think about leaders, the best coaches. I watched Coach K last night. And whether you like Luke or not, it doesn't matter. He's, he, he's I like Carolina and Luke. Isn't that crazy? That's illegal in North Carolina. You can't do that over right there. Okay. But in Virginia we can do it. But those people have a way of making those that they lead desire the things that they really need and eagerly seek after them. Okay? Joshua was that kind of leader as well. In verse 5, he says, Sanctify yourselves. And when I think about sanctification, it's basically declaring your, your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, declaring it to be used of the Lord, to be set apart. And sometimes, obviously, we must wait on the Lord for that. But if you're like me, you get to those places where you've never been here before. I want you to go back to Genesis chapter 22. Please turn there. Please turn there. Genesis 22. We're going back back in time now. We're going backwards. I want you to hear this story. It's very powerful. And do we believe that the word of God is completely 100 true? Do we believe that everything that's in here actually happened? Okay, listen, listen, this is a good one. Okay, all you parents, to listen. I'm going to read to you Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 19, because Abraham, the father of many nations, experienced something that I never want to experience. Although I experience daily, experience it daily, and so do you. At a certain level, Abraham was at a place that he had never been before. If you remember, Abraham was promised a seed through Sarah, and he got impatient, and Sarah offered her her maid up to him, Hagar, and so he had a child through Hagar, who was whose name was Ishmael, and. He thought that that was the one that God was going to bless through. God said, no, that's not the one. He just got impatient. Have you ever gotten impatient and birthed something you wish you would never (laughs) birth? Have you ever done that? I do it all the time. I deal with that all the time. God's teaching me to be a little bit late (laughs) instead of being jumping the gun on stuff. You see what I mean? But Genesis chapter 22, we get to this place where Isaac's born of Sarah. She's of her, she's of old age. The son of the promise is born. Now you think about it. If you've ever tried to have children and all that stuff, and you, you get to that place where you have a child, you know, there's something about holding your child, isn't there? It? It because there's just something about it. I can't explain it. And you guys have children, understand that. But when you get to that spot, and then God says this to you: Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am, Lord. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Listen to this, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you, I've learned this by reading scripture. God doesn't always give us the GPS. He just tells us which direction to start going into. Sometimes he just says, and we talk about this one day, get in the region. Just get close. And when you get close, I'll show you. You ever had to do that? I've had to do that. So Abraham rose early. There that is again. He rose early. There wasn't, you know, he didn't sleep till one o'clock. He rose early. I love that part. In the morning, and saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him, for witnesses, I think, but also help. And Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. I want to say this about that. Sometimes God takes you and directs you and points you to places. And instead of, you know Abraham was a, was a man of faith. God says it in the Word. He says it in Hebrews and the New Testament it says in the Old Testament too. That Abraham, that was a man of faith. And it was, it was credited to him as righteousness. You know somewhere in his mind as he's cutting this wood, he's thinking. This don't feel right. I'm I'm begging you, God. This just don't seem like the right thing to do. It's kind of like going to somebody and apologizing. You know what I mean? God, I'm angry at them. They shouldn't have done done to me what they did to me. But I'm going to go to them and apologize for my anger. That don't seem right. But it's biblical. So you know that he was doing that. Verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes. And he saw the place far off. At just the right moment. God is a God of at just the right moment. Do you all know that? At just the right moment, he'll give you the title of the sermon. You see what I'm talking about? I know that sounds silly, but I labor over the title of sermons because I believe that how you start something and and how you put it out there, I, I believe that starting well is important. And you all know that too, okay? And at just the right moment, you'll have it. And Abraham said to his young men, listen to this, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship And we will come back to you. He says we will come back to you. So Abraham had a faith. Even though he had no idea what God was getting ready to do. And we have it in black and white here. We know what happens. But he had the kind of faith that believed. Whatever God caused me to do in this situation. The lad and I. Because God promised me that my seed was going to be as many as the stars in the sky. He relied on that promise of God. You know the promises like, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. Or the promises like, my plans for you are plans for a future and a hope <clears throat> to prosper you. Those are all promises that we can, that we can trust in, in the Lord. But he says, the I'll be yonder and worship. It's getting ready to get interested. Listen to this. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. Now, growing up, I always thought Isaac was a a young child and they just carried him. It'd be easy to lay a baby down, right, and and go there. But this kid was about 10 years old. He was old enough to carry wood on his back. It says that they went together. You're going to see the word together three times in this passage. I think life is meant to be experienced together. The enemy wants you to get isolated. Don't do that. Then he wants you to get isolated. Now God can do some major big time work when you're alone. I don't get me wrong. When Jacob wrestled was a man all night, you know, that's another story. But isolation is not good. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, the son, spoke to the father and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? The boy was old enough to know that we were missing something here. Let me tell you what else this passage tells me. This wasn't the first time that Abraham took his son to do the offering. So parents, I'm going to encourage you. It's not important what you do with your kids. It's super important that you do. Doing is important. Taking them with you. Taking them with you. There are no tasks that you need to just continue to leave them behind. Take them with you. Abraham took Isaac. And they went together. Important word. And it says here, So the two of them again went together. Verse 9, So they came to the place in which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in, in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now we believe the Bible's true, right? Okay. Now what kind of faith is this? And it says in verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him. To Abraham from heaven. And said Abraham, Abraham. Stop. Stop. He said stop. Abraham said here I am. Verse 12. And he said do not lay your hand on the ladder. Do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son. Your own son from me. And then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. Now Do you all think that the ram magically appeared? It's okay if you do. I don't think either one of us is right or wrong. I personally do not. I believe that God in his all-knowing, supernatural, crazy mind of his, I believe that ram was born maybe maybe a couple months earlier, maybe a couple years earlier, I don't know. And I believe at some point it made its way up the other side of the mountain. And here's how that speaks to me. And I think of this often, and I hope this speaks to you. As I'm trekking up a mountain in faith, getting ready to do something that God has called me to do, and I don't see how in the world when I get to that spot that I can get it done. I am reassured by this ram, an animal, that on the other side of the mountain, God's already provided provision. And that that ram is coming up the other side of the mountain. And at just the right moment, it's going to get stuck in some tickets. And at just the right moment, God's going to call out and cause me to look over at the ram and the thickets. See, my God is one who provides. Jehovah Jireh. And yours is too. And at just the right time, when you think you have had enough and you can go no further, He will provide a ram and the thickets. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? God might provide me. God's one of those, I'm going to do it anyway kind of God. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for the burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mouth of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time. Now let me ask you math people. Is there a number two without a number one? There's not. Here's how this passage speaks to me. He calls to Abraham a second time. When was the first time? When he was about to slay his son. He said, Abraham, Abraham, stop. And then it says, the, he called to Abraham a second time. And he said, by myself I ask for and says the Lord, because you have done this thing. And I will tell your son, your own son. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. And as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Oh, that's powerful. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Obeyed my voice. You've obeyed my voice and now you're going to be blessed. So Abraham returned to his, to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. The first call was to obedience. God called him to obedience and he spoke to him. The second call was to bless him. In America today, we have got it back. We say, and I do it myself, God, if you will blank, I will praise you. Or God, if you will give, I will give back. Or God, if you will show me the, the way, then I will trust you. The upside down kingdom of God, think about what I just said, faith, not sight. Isn't that crazy? Like God, you actually want me to go do this? It's an upside down kind of kingdom. First cause to obedience, the second to blessing. Jehovah Jireh. You know, when you get there to that spot, that pivotal moment where it's either turn back around or step out in faith, God will provide a ram in the bush, your provision to help you move on. I believe God's trying to equip somebody. I tried to move on this week from, from Joshua and the Israelites and getting into Canaan. I really did, but I couldn't. I believe that last week we talked about strength and courage and the word of God and arming ourselves. And this week we're really talking about taking that first step and following after the what? The presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant. that's kind of where we are and where we find ourselves. The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony, going after the presence of God. But I want to ask you a couple questions and then I'm done. Who's in your circle? Just think about your circle. Who's in your circle? I think we need to check our surroundings. I really do. And and God will lead you to a place and provide for you somebody or maybe somebody's that you can hit your wagon to. Be careful who you go with. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and be wise. And then I'm going to paraphrase. It says to walk with fools and be destroyed. If you walk with people who have no sense, you see what I'm talking about. Be prepared for destruction. We need to pay close attention to that text. Walk on with the wise and be considered wise. Because here's the, here's the truth. You might you just might have the answer staring right back at you, staring back at you in your face. You might already know the answer. God, why can't I move forward? Because you've hitched your wagon to garbage. You hear what I'm saying? And I'm not, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just saying, when we, when we put balls and chains on us, and we carry around trash, we have no room for anything else. We have no room for anything else. And I believe it's together that God's called us. Now, let, let me clear me, uh, something up real quick. Sometimes God calls us to take a stand by ourselves. He did Moses. Abraham, right there, basically. Who's going to tell Abraham, yeah, that, that was a, that's a cool thing to do? Mm-mm, that was between him and God. And can you imagine the conversation between Isaac and Jacob from back down off the mountain? I guarantee you, Isaac and said, Did you talk to mom about this? You know what I mean? <laughs> Did she know? And I guarantee you, he didn't talk to mom about that one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know that conversation, but sometimes God will cause you or call you to stand alone. Did Jesus, did anybody bury his cross? He had some help getting it close, but no. When he got up there, it, it was his, but he had to bury his own cross. And we must do the same. But make no mistake, I think this is important. There could be millions of people waiting for you, just like they were Joshua, to make the right decision really was on his back. Joshua had to make the decision to call the priests and the Levites and the Ark of the Covenant to get over to the water. Now, these Bible stories are awesome and they're real they're true, but let's just be honest. If you're one of those priests and you're carrying the Ark of the Covenant on your back and you're standing at the Jordan and flood stage, getting ready to step in, don't you think there's some doubt in your mind? Like, what's getting ready to happen? That happens to me when I come up here. It's like, what's getting ready to happen? I'm like, getting ready to fall all over the place and and I'm at a point in my life, honestly, if I do fall over the place, y'all can laugh and I can move on and I'm good. But I want to honor God in every word that I speak. And I know you do too. And you know that those priests were standing there looking at this impossible situation. And the Lord spoke this to me. To ask you, what impossible situation is out in front of you that you are currently fearing? It might be big, it might be small might not be a big deal to anybody but you. What impossibility is standing in front of you? I think we could have three points. If I had to give you a bulletin today, the these three points would have been on there. Number one, anytime we're going to move forward in our life, in, the, in our walk with Christ, we need to sanctify ourselves. That doesn't mean that we become super spiritual or so holy that nobody can touch us. No. It just simply means that I set myself over here and I say, you know, if everybody else goes that way, I'm going to lose them. You sanctify you set yourself apart. Number two, you make room. The world we live in today is full of recreation. And I'm just going to encourage you that less is more. If you want to fill your life with the Lord and the things of God that really fulfill, that make you and cause you to go to sleep at night and able to sleep and rest, then you need to make room. And that means you might need to get rid of some stuff. You hear what I'm saying? You might need to get rid of some stuff. I don't know what your stuff is. Our young people today are caught up in social media. TikTok, Snapchat, all that stuff, it's, it's constant. And I find myself doing it too. Now I'm not on TikTok, but I am on Snapchat. And I deleted off all, all of my social media a few years ago, a couple years ago, but I kept Snapchat. And I don't know exactly why, but Dave and I re- reconnected on Snapchat. And so now I know why. And so God kind of left that in my in, in my uh, wheelhouse, so to speak. But you need to make room. It's impossible to fill a space that's already full. would not you agree? If your life's already full of stuff, then you ain't got no room for the Lord. And then thirdly, get yoked. I believe you need to get yoked up. Don't yoke up with unbelievers. They don't have the same mindset. The Bible says that those who are not of Christ cannot understand the spiritual things of them of this world, of this walk, And then in, I think 1 Corinthians 15.33 says it like this. and It's an awesome passage. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Other translations say evil company, bad company, creates bad character. Straight out of the word of God. And so I'll say to you today, when God says go, go after it. Whatever it is, go after the presence of God. And so really, if I break this thing down to you, I would say a couple things to you. Number one, it's really not something I'm seeking after. I'm really just seeking after the presence of God. True? I shouldn't be seeking after promotion. I shouldn't be seeking after wealth. I shouldn't be seeking after whatever. I should actually be seeking after the presence of God. Seek after the presence of God. All these things will be added unto you. So the bottom line is here. God, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? I hope God closes some doors for some of you this week. It's only through a closed door that I can see the next opening. That's just the truth. That's been my experience. I hope God closes some doors for you. I hope He makes room for you. I believe this. Nothing just happens. Coincidence is just a word to me. I believe that God, when I submit myself to Him, orchestrates my life and your life. And He goes before us, and He goes behind us, and He's to He's my right on my right, He's on my left, and He makes things. He makes all things happen for the good. It doesn't say everything is good. It says all things work out to the good for those who love Christ and are called according to His purposes. And so I don't know who this is for. But God has clearly let me know that somebody needs to apply this message to their life today, and I it may be somebody, or maybe somebody watches uh, online later on. But Joshua three ends like this, and then I'm done. Joshua chapter three, verses 14 through 17, and this will be true for you as well. God's word is true. Listen to what it says, verse 14. So it was. When the people set out from their camp after three days to cross over the Jordan, that great impossibility, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord, before the people when all those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. Isn't that like God, though? Like to do it when it seems completely impossible. You know what I'm talking about? That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zeratom. So the waters that went down into the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, fell and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Verse 17. Then the priest, listen to this, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the presence of God, stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. Listen to this, this is important. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. The presence of God stayed in the middle of the Jordan until everybody was crossed. And the presence of God will also stay with you until you are completely through whatever it is. Isn't that awesome? A few weeks ago, we said, I'm coming out. Face that thing and come out. But now as we go in, follow the presence of the Lord. Thank Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. And God, if we were to summarize uh, what you have given us today would be this. It would actually be a form of a question. God, how do I know which way to go? I'm at a turning point. I'm at a pivotal moment in my life. And how do I know which way to go? And I believe that you would say to us today to seek after you, to look for the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, and to follow after that. And so, God, I know that you have someone here today or online listening who is at a pivotal point in their life, and they need to, they need to hear a word from you. And so, God, I pray you speak that word. God, I pray that as we uh as we finish up here, that you would not only prick our hearts and help us to take this message into the week, but also help us to build upon faith. Lord, your word says that we shall walk by faith and not by sight. And so this week, when we get to that place where we're getting ready to take that step into the Jordan, and it looks like it is at flood stage, and it is at flood stage. It's an impossible feat for us to cross. I pray at that moment, at that moment, as we take that step of faith, that you will eliminate the need to see, to walk by sight, and that you would help us to walk by faith. Now, Lord, don't let us be foolish. God, please don't allow us to uh, go into places and, and not seek you first. God, I believe with all my heart that you go before us and that as we seek after you, as we seek after you, as we seek after you, you will cause all things to happen for the good for us. So help us to do that. And Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, if this is strange to them, God, I pray that today would be the day that in their heart, and they could repeat after me as I say this: God, I, I just uh, I pray that in their heart that they would believe that Jesus Christ came, that He lived a sinless life, and that He died on the cross, and that God wrote, raised Him from the dead on the third day, and if. If if they believe that and confess that with their mouth, God, they shall be saved. And so let today be the day for salvation for someone. God, more than anything, I pray that as we leave this place, as we leave this place, we would not only be convicted, but we would be stirred in our spirit to seek after you this week. We give it to you, and we thank you for it. Lord, thank you for each breath you give us. Each breath you give us is a gift. And we give it back to you. We love you and we praise you. Now bless each person here in their home. Bless each family represented. I pray your special edge and your protection around us around spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. And always God protect us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All hearts and minds are clear.